Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Second Timothy chapter 3. Okay, we're moving on to the second part of this series, and uh, we're going to read a few verses here in 2 Timothy. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to really lean in and take notes. Today, I want to teach more than preach, and um, I, I think we need to teach the Word of God, and we need to understand the Word of God. And so even if you're new here, if, take out your phone if you want and write down some notes, but uh, Calvary Word Church, that's about learning and growing in the Word of God. It's the only thing that we have today uh, that is still going to bring us the wisdom that we need, the revelation that we need, the power that we need. And so today, we're going to tackle this subject, and uh, hopefully I can express it the way I I sense it in my heart. Um, Let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to Timothy the second letter, and he's talking about last days. It begins in verse 1, share your Bible, if the person next to you doesn't have one, if you're single and they're single, you know, anything can happen. And uh, we're going to put it up on the screens as well. If you're there, can everybody say amen? amen? Beginning in verse 1, the word of the Lord says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Avoid such people. Really encouraging text this morning. (laughs) The last hour in the second part of the series out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Today I want to continue and I want to talk to you from this subject today. The death of self. The death of self. Look at three people around you today and tell them we got to die to self. We have to die to self. Let's talk about the death of self. What does this mean in this series, the last hour? And I'm praying that every service today, God would speak to us. It's the conversation we're going to have this week through our connect groups, friends and family and dream team. Let's pray that God would speak to us over the next 28 minutes. And then we'll worship God one more time because worship was phenomenal. Amen. I think we should worship one more time at the end and then we'll go outside and enjoy a good breakfast or lunch. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good God, that you love us, that you're for us, that you're with us. Speak to us today in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, relationships, marriages. God, we pray that you would be alive in us. Thank you for loving us, people like us. We can't earn it or deserve it. Thank you for this church. Thank you for every person that comes to every service, gets connected. God, there's no one like you. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that all of God's people say? Oh, come on, all of God's people say? Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? 
The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche made a phrase popular in 1882 when he wrote, God is dead. God is dead. What he was pointing to, what he was referring to was that the enlightenment period that was happening at that time was eliminating the possibility of the existence of God. Meaning Europe in the second half of the 19th century was exploding socially, economically, politically, and they were experiencing a revolution to the point where Nietzsche believed God is no longer needed. God doesn't have to be the center anymore of humanity. We can look to ourselves for values, morals, and all kind of power. Europe didn't need God. We just needed more smart people. And we started to eliminate God. Let's take God out of the picture. And as God began to become eliminated, man began to take the place of God because we are thriving. Look at what we've done. Look at our inventions. Look at our technology. Look at our governments. Look at our empires. We don't need God anymore. And so man became the center because God was dead. Now this idea that he made popular, I really believe is still alive today. In all pockets of our culture, of our society and governments, in families. I mean, just look around the world today. The idea, the notion that God is dead is still thriving. We don't need God because we are gods ourselves. We have literally gone from theism to humanism. We don't need God. We're capable. We got enough power, enough strength. We can handle this world on our own. We know what values are. We know what morals are. Let humanity run humanity. We don't need God. We've fallen in love with ourselves. And there's a problem with that. And the problem is that the love of self eliminates love of God. Our love for God has grown cold because we are in love with how and what we've done and become. I mean, look at us. Look, have you seen the iPhone 14? It's phenomenal. <laughs> have you seen the latest electric car? Have you seen our governments? Have you seen our empires? We can rule ourselves. And so the love of God begins to grow colder as we begin to put ourselves on the throne. Dr. Jordan Peterson speaking on Nietzsche and this phrase, he said Nietzsche actually knew because he said, if we let the old God die, pretty soon blood will fill the streets. And soon we see that our gods ourselves are not enough because we are limited, sinful, finite creatures. And every single one of us if we start to look inside ourselves, we will see this sinful pattern and soon we will realize we cannot rule the world because we can't even rule our own lives. I mean, I mean, who are we to try to tell the world what to do when we can't even tell ourselves what to do? Right? 
And here we are trying to be rulers of our own lives, of our own empires, and we think we got the solution to everything instead of looking to the book that is full of wisdom and life and power and healing and salvation because we think we got it all together. But the truth is, some of us can't even get our act together. Some of us are addicted and bound. We can't even clean up our own rooms or our cars, yet we want to clean up the world. And so when we put ourselves on the throne of the universe, be careful because you can't even rule your own life. And so every time that our love of God grows colder and we choose ourselves, we are choosing anti-God. Follow me. When I choose myself, I choose anti-God, meaning I'm anti-Christ. And there's an anti-Christ spirit in all of us when we choose to go with our will instead of his will. There's a little bit of antichrist in every single one of us. It's the sinful nature. Yeah. Ask the person next to you, are you the antichrist? <laughs> Some people are like, yeah, yeah, I'm sitting next to him. That's him. Don't point at your husband. That's not nice. <laughs> and so what happens when limited, finite, sinful humanity rules the world? It leads us to chaos. It leads us to confusion. And it leads to catastrophe. Just look all throughout history. Look at the empires. Sure, they've all come, but they've all gone as well and they've all fallen. And it's left us more confused with blood on the streets because we can't rule ourselves. And some of us here, we're disappointed. We're without hope, joy, or peace because possibly you've been sitting on the throne of your life. But I want to tell you, there's only one person that can occupy the throne of our hearts. There's only one king. There's only one ruler. There's only one healer. There's only one savior. There's only one book of wisdom. There's only one God with all power. We need him. Our world needs him. And his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so if, if the death of God means there's a rise of self, the opposite is true. That the death of self will result in a rise of God. Today, you and I, we need God and we need to... We need to fight against the antichrist spirit and it happens by dying to self. By dying to ourselves. It's not a popular message. It's not one that will get a lot of claps or a lot of clicks. But the truth is we must die to ourselves. Paul, he knows this and he's writing this to his son in the faith, Timothy. Paul pastored him. Paul taught him and Paul left him as a pastor in the city of Ephesus. And for us to truly understand what Paul is writing here, we have to understand where he's writing from. You have to understand the context of the time and culture that Paul is writing. Paul is not writing off an iPad sitting in a hotel in Rome. Paul is literally writing in the dungeons of Rome. He's layers beneath the earth. He's in a dark, deep, dungeon in prison in Rome. No AC, no TV, no bed, and definitely no fragrance to make it smell better. This is not TGK prison. I've never been there, but I heard it's pretty nice. He's literally writing in a dark dungeon on the lower levels of Rome. He is a prisoner at the time that he's writing this. And he's writing to Timothy, who's a pastor in Ephesus, and he's telling him, these are last days that we're living in. 
And you have to understand who the ruler is. Paul has been ostracized from society because he's living in the Roman Empire. And Paul is known as a menace to the Roman Empire because instead of worshiping Rome, he worships Jesus. And so they say, we got to get rid of this Paul character, go away with him, put him down in the dungeon. And there he's writing these letters to his son in the faith. And Paul is continuing to preach Jesus. Though they put him in prison, though they may take his life, he says, Timothy, you keep preaching Jesus. And who is the emperor at this time? The emperor at this time is the emperor Nero. And you need to go do the study of who Nero is. Nero, not Nemo, Nero. Nero has to be one of the most vicious emperors of all time. Literally killed his own family. Wicked. He wanted to be worshipped as God. He referred to himself as a deity. He wanted to be worshipped. He thought he had all the power, all the wisdom, and everybody must worship Emperor Nero. And so he hates Paul. In fact, Nero finds himself in trouble around this time because in 64 AD, there is a great fire in Rome and it burns three quarters of the city. And they're blaming Nero because he was going against the Senate. And for him to pass the blame, who does he blame? Christians. Go do your studies. Nero blames Christians and he begins a heavy wave of persecution against Christians. He literally rounds up Christians and he throws them in arenas with lions and bears. He grabs Christians and he crucifies them on crosses. Nero used to throw parties at night and his garden, they used to light up by Christians being burned alive at the stake. He was wicked. In fact, his second wife is killed by, by him. He kills his second wife who is pregnant with this baby. And he decides to marry a young boy who he dresses as a bride. I mean, this is wicked, deceitful, Nero. And he's persecuting Christians. And Paul is writing under this kind of pressure. He's not in 2022 America. He's writing in a deep, dark dungeon. And he knows that something is in the air. As he's writing this, he perhaps hears the screams of Christians being persecuted above him. And him and John have the same message. Something is in the air. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. Let's review what we read last week. First John chapter 2, verse 18. John writes, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. John and Paul are saying the same thing. We're living in last times, last days, last hour. What is this Antichrist that we're talking about? I put up this definition. Antichrist is whoever rejects Jesus Christ and opposes him is Antichrist. It is to oppose and to replace Jesus Christ as son and savior. It is anything that stands firmly against the cause of Christ. So Jesus is king, ruler, Lord of all. Anything that comes to oppose him and replace him is antichrist. Are you following along, church? And it's not just a person, it's a spirit. Well, Alex, how do you know that? Look at 1 John. He wrote 2.18, what we just read. Two chapters later, look at what he writes. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see where they are from God. In other words, don't believe everything you hear, everything you're taught, everything that's being taught in churches, offices, circles, culture, society. It says test them to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Did you follow that? The Antichrist is not just a person that's coming, that will come. But it's also a spirit in the air. Right? And so Christians, over the last few centuries, we've been obsessed with finding the person that we've missed out on identifying the spirit. Are you hearing me? It's Obama. Obama is the anti. No, it's Trump. Trump is the anti. No, it's Biden. No, it's the barcode. It's the vaccine. Don't get a chip. That's the Antichrist. Meanwhile, our churches are full of Antichrist. People that are against Christ, people that are against saying Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus is the only way, Jesus is the only truth, Jesus is life. And so the Antichrist, oh, the Spirit, it's already here. And so Paul is writing to Timothy from his dungeon saying, we're in the last days. This is the final out. We've been living in the last days. So he writes them from his dungeon. Verse 1, one more time, let's read it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Paul is encouraging his son of the faith. Timothy, don't you stop. Don't you stop preaching. Don't you stop believing. Don't look to the right or to the left. I'm writing to you from the bottom levels of Rome. You keep fighting. You keep preaching. You keep confessing. Number one, because the present is dangerous. He's letting him know, Timothy, don't be naive. We're living in dangerous times. And so Paul, John, and Jesus all said similar things. They actually said the exact same things. They said, we're living in the last days. If maybe some of us are wondering here, well, when will the last days be? We're living in them. Since the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, we've been in the last days. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, when you hear about wars and rumors of war, kingdom against kingdom, child against father, father against child, when our love grows cold, all earthquakes and famines, you will be in the last days. That's been happening. Paul writes, we're living in the last days. John writes, we're in the last hour. How long would that last? Only the father knows, but we're in the last days. The present is dangerous because the spirit of antichrist is in the air. Something is in the air and we need wisdom to know it. Are you following me, church? I know this message isn't one to clap, dance, happy, shout, uh, come back next week uh, or after this series. But, but we need to know and we need to be aware that the present is dangerous. The spirit of antichrist has actually been around from the beginning of time. Follow, follow me now. In heaven, the angel Lucifer, which is Satan, goes against God because he wanted to be God. And so from the beginning of time, there's this anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. And then he shows up in the garden in the form of a serpent and he goes with Eve to deceive her to go anti-God, anti-Christ. Follow that along. Abel brought a better sacrifice and his brother had an anti-God spirit, Cain, and he ended up murdering Abel. Are you following me? You go through the book of Genesis, there's a character named Nimrod. Nimrod, what was a fighter against God. He had a rebellious anti-God spirit. He was the founder of the wicked city called Babylon. 
And he was also the founder where they started the Tower of Babel, where they said, let us build a tower so that we would have a great name to ourselves. It's all about the self. And you keep following on. Pharaoh was an anti-Christ type figure, anti-God type figure. All throughout human history, we see anti-God figures. When Jesus is born, Herod the Great is so jealous because he wants to be the only king that he begins to kill every single child under the age of three because he wants to do away with Jesus. Because in the name of the God self, he will sacrifice children so that he gets the crown. In our world today, in our culture, we've done the same thing. We've aborted over 60 million babies in the name of the God self. This is the world that we're living in today. Because our self, what I want, my feelings, my mo, I come first and I'll do whatever I need to do because I'm on the throne of my own life. We're living in present times. Nebuchadnezzar, you keep following along. Pontius Pilate, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, anti-Christ, anti-God. Jesus ascends and here comes the Emperor Claudius who begins the first wave of persecution. Then comes Nero who's literally killing Christians. Right after he writes this, Paul is beheaded in Rome. Literally possible weeks after he writes this letter, he's killed in Rome. They, he, Nero also sends Peter to die and he says, I can't die like my Savior Jesus, so crucify me upside down. Nero, Nero is anti-Christ, anti-God. After him comes Domitian, the emperor, who also begins the second wave of persecution against Christians. And many die in arenas, and they die on crosses. The Antichrist spirit has been around, and it's around today in our modern world as well. Or you can go to Maoist China and see Antichrist, anti-God. You can go to Stalin and see what they did. Go to Hitler and see what happened there. Go to Castro and see how they wanted to take away God. Go to China today, go to North Korea today. There's an anti-Christ, anti-God spirit. But Jesus says, take heart because I've overcome the world. And so people can fight the cause of Christ. But Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come what may, come hell, come high water. We'll keep preaching. Jesus, he's the way. Jesus, he's the life. Jesus, he's the truth. You can worship yourself all you want, but you're not a savior. I'm not a savior. Jesus, he's the only one. Can I get an amen? There's only one way. And dictators and emperors have plastered their faces in every wall across history, but they've all died. Say God is dead all you want. He's still alive. My God is still alive. And so Paul says, the present is dangerous. We got people who are in love with self. Literally in the Greek, literally that phrase says they kiss themselves. Oh, I'm so beautiful. I'm so beautiful. Literally what it means is you're in love with your own ideas. You're in love with your own emotions. You're in love with your own thoughts, your own ideologies. You look at the book, you say, okay, this is all right, but I'm, I'm smarter than God. I think I got a handle on my own life. And you sit on the throne, you kiss yourself every day, and you oppose God, and you become anti-God without even knowing it. When you follow your own thoughts and feelings, you know how we fight anti-God, anti-Christ? By dying to ourselves. It's dying, dying to ourselves. John Calvin, he said this, for so blindly do we all rush in the direction of self-love that everyone thinks he has a good reason for exalting himself. There is no other remedy to pluck up by the roots 
that most noxious pest, self-love. John Calvin called it a pest. In our world today, you know what has become a God? Self-love. You'll hear it on every podcast, every, every kind of philosophy, psychology talk, and every kind of self-love. You just need to love yourself. And that's become a God in our culture. And don't get me wrong, you should love yourself. I'm all for that. I'm all for loving yourself as far as taking care of yourself. But taking care of yourself is not making a God of yourself. Those are two distinct things. But we've made it where do whatever you want. Follow your own truth. You want to do that? Do that. Oh, you want to ruin your life? Ruin it. Oh, go ahead. Ruin our world if you want to because it's your truth. It's what you feel. Love yourself. Kiss yourself. And like Nietzsche and Jordan Peterson say, there is blood in the streets. There's chaos. Timothy continues writing in verse 5. He says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Since they're in love with themselves. One preacher said, the love of self is the sewer pipe where the rest of the garbage comes from. And you read it there. Lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, and on and on and on. It all comes from the sin of pride. I'm the ruler of my own life. And you go down that road and you'll see how far it'll take you. And you see what kind of mess it'll put you in. You think you can rule your life? Let's see if you can get to heaven on your own. Hell will break loose in your mind, in your soul, in your marriage, in your relationships, because we can't be our own gods. So Paul says, Timothy, they have the appearance, but they denied the power. What does he mean by that? Number one, the present is dangerous. Number two, the power is denied. Timothy, you keep preaching because the power is being denied. Literally what he's saying is they have religion without relationship. They, They have outward form without inward fire. Oh, they got everything together. They go to church. They got their suits on. They got their hands raised. They know the lyrics. They know the songs. They know when to clap. They know the ooh la la. Right? They got their Bibles. They got, but they're missing the power. What he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, you got the form, but you're missing the power. Look what Charles Spurgeon says about that. The incredible 1800 preacher said, many who have the form of godliness are strangers to this power. And so are in religion worldly, in prayer mechanical, in public one thing and in private another. But true godliness lies in spiritual power. And as they are without this, they are dead while they live. Charles Spurgeon says, oh, their lives are just nothing but motions, routines, but they're missing the power and so they look like they're alive on the outside but they're really dead on the inside there's a bird here <laughs> and so what does this mean right what what does this mean well to, when he says they have the form of godliness but deny his power literally what he means there in the greek they have the form is the word morphosis And it comes from metamorphosis, but it's not fully changed. It means a silhouette or a shape. They have the silhouette or a shape of being godly, but they don't have the power. The word power in the Greek there is the word dunamis. And it's where we get our English word dynamite. He says they have the form, but they're missing the dynamite. 
if you, if, you, if you remember what they use dynamite for a lot is when they go to an old construction site or an old building, when they want to tear it down because something new is coming, they put dynamite in there, they set it off, and the dynamite does the work so the new can happen. And he says, a lot of Christians, what they have, oh, they have the shape, but they have no dynamite. So God hasn't been able to tear down the old to build up the new. You're missing the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. And what we need today in our culture, in our church, in our society, what we need is not cool screens, cool lights, cool music. I'm all for that. We don't need more graphics, more Instagram reels. Those are all great, but they're useless without the power of the Holy Spirit. What we need today is the dynamite of the Holy Spirit to set off in our soul, to bring down the old and to build up the new. I'm tired of the old man. I need God, a new creation a new work. I don't want to have a form without the power. I want the power to create the form. Are you hearing me, church? Oh, we got the form. We got the function. We got the hands raised, but we're missing the power. The power is being denied all throughout culture and history and churches today. Oh, we got the form. Everybody goes to church. People check it off like it's like I go to church today and I'm ready to go see the dolphins. What good is church if there's no power? What good is a Bible if there's no power? Let the Holy Spirit come in and say, Lord, kill the old man in me. Kill the old man in me. Kill the anti-God, anti-spirit in me. Here I am looking all throughout culture. Where's the anti-Christ? In you. And it's in me. Is it? I knew it was Bill Clinton. And all along, we're lovers of money, lovers of self, disobedient, abusive, ungrateful, unholy. It's in us. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. You know why I need the Holy Spirit? Because it shows me where I'm wrong. Holy Spirit, help me. If I've been putting myself on my own throne and pride has taken the way, God, help me to always leave Jesus at the center of it all. And I don't make decisions based off what I want, but what you want. Paul continues to write. You got to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's beautiful, but we started at the beginning. We read halfway what he said. Now toward the end, he says, indeed, verses 12 through 13, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be Come on, church, will be. I told the earlier service, and I'll say it all day long, get ready to be hated for Jesus. It's happening all throughout the world today. We will be persecuted. You'll be called a bigot. You'll be called old-fashioned. You know, the problem is I think American Christianity, we've gotten too comfortable. Because we sit here in AC, and it's nice and cold, sometimes too cold. And uh, we take our notes, we sing our songs, and we go home. But in China today, they're underground. And if they get found out, they get killed today. Christians are literally being killed around the world today. I love the organization Voice of Martyrs because they always put up every single day how many Christians are dying today. And we're comfortable. And we think persecution is somebody does not like me. Hey, unfollow me on social media because I posted up about church. Let them unfollow you. Let them walk away. 
Jesus lost a lot of followers. Today, Christians are being beheaded. Christians are being killed. If you can go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, you'll be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Number one, the present is dangerous. Number two, the power is denied. Number three, people are deceived. Timothy, you need to keep preaching. Calvary, hear the words of the Holy Spirit coming through Paul today to us. We need to keep preaching. We need to keep praising. We need to keep confessing and believing Jesus because people are being deceived. It says they're being deceived. He's literally saying there's imposters in the church. Antichrist is happening. It's happened. It's happening and it will happen. At Paul's time of writing, there was Gnosticism. From Gnosticism, we went to rationalism. And people are being duped by saying, you're smart enough. You can outsmart God. Go down that route. See how far it'll take you. From rationalism, we've gone to communism. And we think that we got more control than God. We will be our own dictators. From communism, you keep going down to humanism. Today, we're living in relativism. There is no truth. Well, you're saying the truth when you say that. You contradict your own self. But we're so full of ourselves that we don't even hear what we're saying with our own mouths. There is a truth. His name is Jesus. Not everything is relative. There is one truth. There is one right. There is one wrong. There is one good. There is one bad. But people are being deceived. People are being deceived all over this world. You can walk into churches today, I'll tell you. You can walk into churches today where they say, do whatever you want, live however you want. He loves us. And they make God out to be this desperate boyfriend on a contestant show. And he's dying to fall in love with you. And that is true, but he's also mad at sin. And he can't be with sin. But Alex, I thought he welcomes us all. He does, but when he welcomes us in, he says, go and sin no more. He comes not to revive our whole life, but to give us a brand new life. That's the gospel. The gospel is not come and make yourself amazing. It's come and die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. That's the gospel. And I know this message ain't popular. I know people won't like us. I know people will not come to church in droves because this message is amazing. It's not happy, clappy dance. This is awesome. It's not. But Jesus said the same thing. Jesus says, you want to follow me? You got to drink of my blood and eat my flesh. And people are like, oh, oh Jesus, I, I'm, I'm good with Emperor Nero. Right? What, what are we going to do? People are being deceived. So what does Paul commend from Timothy? First Timothy chapter 3. Go all the way down to the bottom. If we could put up the last couple of verses. from. But as for you. He tells them, hey, we're living in present times that are dangerous. People are being deceived. The power is being denied. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you firmly believe. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love the way he's ending chapter three. But as for you, Timothy, you keep going. You keep believing. You keep following those who you learn from. And you stay close to scripture. We'll talk about the Bible next week. Literally what he says is these last three things. Number one, believe the salvation of Jesus. Timothy, don't be deceived and don't let the church be deceived. There's not many ways to God. 
There's not many ways to make it to heaven. There's only one way and his name is Jesus. You keep believing that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Number two, keep confessing the Lordship of Jesus. Meaning Jesus is Lord of all. A lot of us, we want Jesus as part of our world. You can't have him a part of your, he doesn't want to rent you, he wants to own you. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And he says, you keep confessing the Lordship. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. There's no other way. And number three, you keep following the works of Jesus. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, it's dangerous times. You keep following, confessing, and believing Jesus. What did he mean by that? Last verse we'll read, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said a lot of harsh things, and this is probably one of the hardest things that Jesus said. And he didn't get a lot of Instagram likes. And he didn't get a lot of followers. But this is the solution to the Antichrist spirit. Verse 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man gain or give in return for his soul? Jesus says, you want to be a follower of me? You want to be my disciple? You want to know how to fight this anti-Christ, anti-God spirit in the air? Start by denying yourself. Jesus, but how, what do you mean? Die to yourself. Jesus, but I thought you came to make me awesome. Yes, but first you must die. Baptism our next week. Baptism is not just a pretty day where we go in the waters and come up and it's awesome and we take nice pictures. It's, it's symbolic of dying with Jesus. When you go under the water, that literally is symbolic representation of you going in a grave, symbolically, and coming up a new person. My old ways are gone. My old ways are dead. I know there's something in the air that is anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-values and morals. So what do I need to do? I need to fight it in me first. It comes from death to self. I pick up my cross and I follow Jesus. The problem is today is that we've made pulpits platforms where we teach leadership instead of lordship. And I'm all for leadership. I've read every John Maxwell book. I love it. Work John Maxwell out. I love it. You should be good leaders. But what we need is lordship. Jesus, you're lord of my life. The platform. The platform teaches come and find yourself a better version of yourself. The pulpit preaches, come and lose yourself. Come and deny yourself. Come and pick up your cross and die. Let's die to every emotion, every feeling, every value and moral that is anti-God. God, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I trust you. You are great. You are powerful. You're the Lord of my life. Help me to become better. Help me to be more like you. But it starts with me. It's the death of self. The church, we need to know we're living in dangerous times. Alex, what do we do? Take heart. He's overcome the world. Today we die to ourselves. 
God, help me to pick up my cross and follow you. I love that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though Nero get mad, though Domitian get mad, though Mao, Stalin, Hitler get mad, though the government today may get mad, though my neighbor may get mad, I want to tell you, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. There's no turning back. Come on, church. He's the only way. Come on, let's all rise to our feet. If you're willing, if you're able, stand on your feet. Every eye closed and every hand raised. Only he deserves all the glory, all the worship, all the praise. Today, have you been sitting on the throne of your own life? Have you been following along in the spirit of rebellion like so many of us have? We've gone anti-God and anti-Christ when we choose ourselves. Today, the gospel says, pick up your cross. Die to yourself. And Jesus says, follow me. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you talk to God right there where you're at with every hand lifted, every eye closed. Come on, tell him, take my life, Lord. Take my life, Lord. I lay it down before you. I lay down my dreams, my my feelings, my emotions. I have decided to follow Jesus. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you don't know God, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Alex, but I'm so far from God. I've done things nobody knows about. I don't feel right with God. I feel distant from God. That may be true, but he loves you so much. Today he's calling you home. He's saying, come, come, come home. I got a better life for you. Let me sit on the throne of your heart and watch what I do with your life. The Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, and said wrong. We've all gone down our own path, but some of us today, we realize that path is not leading to life. The Bible says that the price or the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But every eye closed, every head bowed. Today, if you're saying, Alex, I'm a sinner, I know I've done wrong. The Bible says none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. Every single one of us have done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. Today you may feel separated from God, but the Bible says Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. Jesus went up on the cross and he died for our sins. Jesus took the penalty so that you and I can receive the reward. Jesus says, I'll pay the price for sin so that you can have life and life to the fullest. The Bible says Jesus went into a grave and the anti-God, the anti-Christ spirit thought it had won. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Jesus, he's still alive. The Bible says that Jesus resurrected and today he comes to give new life, mercy, hope, peace. What you've been looking for on your own, only Jesus can do it. And so today as we pray, every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. 
I need forgiveness. I need a brand new beginning. I need a brand new start. Every eye closed. Come on, as the church is praying, leaders praying, dream team praying. If you say, Alex, I need Jesus, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, wherever you're at, raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out, embarrass you. Every eye closed at a moment of prayer and privacy. I just want to see who I'm praying for, and then you can put it right back down. Hands already going up. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you're saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Lift up your hand if you're saying, I need forgiveness today. I see you. 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 Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Online, if you're watching online, you raise your hand as well. You can put your hands back down. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. If you raise your hand today, come on, let's say this prayer together. With all of our heart, with all of our soul. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected. Come into my life. Tell him, be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, if today you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to congratulate you. On behalf of Calvary Church, we love you. We're here for you. And any way we can help, we want to come alongside of you. And outside in the Connect 10 area, before you grab your coffee, we actually have a free coffee voucher for you inside. We have a free Bible. We have a letter from me and Diana. Pick it up. If somebody next to you raise your hand, I know you were supposed to be praying, but you were peeking. Take them out to the tent. Pick up a free gift. And no strings attached. We just want to help you follow Jesus. Come on, give them one more hand. Come on. Every single person. Church. Hey, church. Come on, this week, let's follow Jesus. And I think there's a lot of practical ways to do that. Maybe this week, there's going to be an opportunity for the Antichrist spirit to rise up on the inside. Maybe it's in our anger and our temper. Maybe it's in money. Maybe it's in relationships. Whatever it may be, let's die to self. Pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Let's keep preaching the gospel. Let's keep telling people about the gospel. Come on, it's the best news in the world. Amen. Come on, why don't we lift up our hands all across this place. Jesus, we love you.